Take your Bibles this morning, Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. We are going to observe the Lord's Supper at the end of the service this morning. And we're going to tie uh, the series that we've been on uh, this month. Jesus is better uh, to our Lord's Supper uh, as we observe it together. And uh, I trust the Lord will speak to your heart as he's spoken to mine about this particular subject. If you found Hebrews chapter 12, would you stand with me this morning? Hebrews chapter number 12. And if you haven't found it, you can still stand. It'll be all right. Hebrews chapter number 12. Don't turn there, but in review there in Hebrews chapter 3, we were asked to consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. This month, we've done that throughout the entire month of December. We've taken, we've considered Christ. We've considered how Christ was a better sacrifice, how Christ was a better high priest. We spoke last week on the fact that Christ was a better mediator. As a matter of fact, we'll spend a little bit more time on that particular subject uh, here this morning. We're also going to find this morning that the blood of Christ spoke better things as well. And I look forward to sharing that uh, here together. Look there with me at chapter 12, verse number 18. Really summing up much of what we've talked about and preached about throughout the month of November, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say in verse number 18, for ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they had heard and treated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. That mountain spoken about here is Mount Sinai. Verse number 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through the dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly fear, I exceedingly fear and quake. Verse number 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and under the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect and pay close attention to verse number 24 with me this morning and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth, but now hath he promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifying the removing of those things that are shaken and of those things that are made that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom shall not, can, which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And he closes the chapter with this thought for our God is a consuming fire. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you once again for your word. In the power of it. We thank you for the fact that it's preserved for us as believers. Thank you that this morning we each could hold a copy of it. That this afternoon we could take a copy home with us. And in our own time we can spend and, and go over and read your word. 
Father, thank you for this mode of preaching. Though even your word said, preaching many times can be foolishness. We thank you that you've given us this mode to help us and to guide us. And so we ask this morning that your Holy Spirit be prevalent in our service. I pray your Holy Spirit would fill me as the speaker and each one of us as listeners. And I do believe that whatever we came needing this morning, and maybe even something that we didn't think we need, needed, would be given this morning. And that your Holy Spirit would do a great work in our hearts and lives and that our hearts and minds would be open to the work that he wants to do. May he be our teacher this morning. We'll thank you and praise you for in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we ask these things, amen. You may be seated. I desire to jump right into our passage this morning. And from our text, I would like to highlight three things. The first thing would be reviewing a little bit what we spoke about last week, the fact that Jesus is the mediator. And many of uh, you might not have been here last week, and I do believe it'll help you as we conclude our series on this subject this morning. And then I'd like to talk just a little bit about the speaking blood of Jesus Christ. And then this morning, I'd like to finish with a stern warning from this passage for you and I to consider. Look there with me again at verse number 24, Hebrews chapter number 12. The verses beforehand have taken just a moment to compare Mount Sinai to Mount Zion. What would be a great independent Bible study for you and maybe a message uh, later on down the road would be to take those two in comparison. Look at what Mount Sinai took place in the Old Covenant and then uh, Mount Zion in the New Covenant. It would be a beautiful picture for you and I as believers if you take time to study it out. But we come here to verse number 24 and the writer says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the New Covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that, of Abel. And we look first of all this morning at that fact again that Jesus is a better mediator. The word mediator is one who stands between two people and brings them together. That was Moses for much of the Old Testament. He stood between God's people there on Mount Sinai, between uh, God and his people, and he brought the two of them together. The Lord gave him a covenant as we looked at last week. Uh, Moses took the covenant from God and went to the people and said, this is what God has said, what will you do with it? And the people said, what God has said, we will do. And so Moses takes uh, that back to God and says, God, the people said that they would keep and they would follow your covenant. What did Moses do? Moses mediated between the two. He stood between God and the children of Israel. That covenant, as we studied last week, was a covenant of works. And it was a covenant that had a problem. The problem was not with God. For God could keep any covenant that he makes and any promise in the word of God is yea and amen. The problem was with the children of Israel. The problem was with us as humans, we cannot be perfect. And though there was a list of laws and there was a list of rules and though there was a list of regulations that they were to keep uh, to remain uh, on the right terms with the Lord, they didn't. And neither can you and I, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We looked at Hebrews chapter 8 verse number 13 last week and that he saith a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. That old covenant, that covenant of works is gone. 
It's finished. It's obsolete. It's old. It's decayed. It's of no value today. You and I cannot be justified by keeping the law. You and I cannot be justified or made right in the sight of God by the old covenant. We're reminded in scripture that it's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, not of works. What was the old covenant? It was a works, not of works, lest any man should boast. And without a mediator, without somebody to stand between God and us, you and I are in trouble. We've sinned against a holy God. There's a wall of partition separating us. There's a penalty of eternal damnation in front of us. There's handwriting of ordinances against us. Just because we know of Christ, that has no effect. Our works have no effect. Our family name has no effect. The church that we worship in this morning has no effect. You and I need someone to bridge the gap. You and I need someone to stand between us and a holy God to bring us together. And here comes Jesus Christ, the mediator of a better covenant. Jesus Christ as our sacrifice. Jesus Christ as our high priest. And Jesus Christ as our mediator. Not a covenant of works like the old covenant, my friends, this morning, it's a covenant of grace. You see, the old covenant was built off earning and deserving. The new covenant is built off believing and receiving. As we looked at two separate passages, Romans chapter 5, for as by one man disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Then we looked at Ephesians chapter 2. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. His blood drew us closer to the Father, for he is our peace who hath been made one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That middle wall that separated us from a loving God, from a holy God and, and us and our sin, that wall was broken down, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments obtained in ordinances for to making himself of twain one new man, so making peace that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And we're reminded in Hebrews chapter seven, verse number 25, wherefore he being Jesus Christ is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever make it or live it to make intercession for them. Jesus there on the cross stood as a mediator between us and a holy God, bringing us together, breaking down the wall of perdition, giving us peace, making it possible for us to be justified in the sight of a holy God. Jesus, the better mediator. But we see secondly this morning as we look at this passage here in verse number 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and... So the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. The Bible says here the blood of Christ spoke better things than that of Abel. 
if you look at this passage and you go to commentaries and you look around to try to figure out what blood that Abel was talking about, people are divided. They're divided between two separate thoughts. They're divided on one side that the blood of Christ speaketh better things than Abel's sacrifice that he made. We have the first recorded uh, sacrifice there made by Abel, a blood sacrifice. And by the way, if that were the case, the blood of Christ spoke better things than the blood sacrifice that Abel made. For the blood of bulls and goats could never cleanse sin. The blood of bulls and goats, it was just a shadow of what was to come. It was a shadow of the precious blood of Jesus Christ being shed for you and I. And so if that's the blood that this passage is referring to, then check, Jesus' blood is better than that blood. Others on the other side would say that uh, this blood of Abel was not the blood of the sacrifice, but Abel's blood that he shed as a martyr. Remember there, the first murder in the Bible, Cain kills his brother Abel. And there in Genesis chapter 4, we read in verses 9 and 10, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he, being Cain, said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he, being God, said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. God tells Cain, Cain, where's your brother? I don't know where he is. And this is what God says. The blood of your brother speaks to me. The blood of your brother is crying back to me from the ground. What was Abel's blood speaking of? I believe it spoke of justice. Look what what has taken place. I've been slain. I've been killed in cold blood. It spoke guilty. By the way, Cain was guilty of uh, the shedding of his brother Abel's blood. It spoke a curse. Cain would be carried around with a mark on his body from now on, being separated uh, from men. We have the blood of of Abel speaking to a heavenly father. And, And if that's the case this morning, let me just say, Jesus' blood speaks better things than that of Abel, the martyr's blood. Pastor, what does the blood of Jesus Christ speak to us as believers? Oh, my friends, it tells us some wonderful things. There are six quick things that I'd like to highlight in just a short time this morning. First of all, it speaks of love. The blood of Jesus Christ speaks love to you and I. Revelation chapter 1, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Isn't it a wonderful thing this morning to know that God the Father loves you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And boy, it's good to know that God the Father loves you and I. But you know what it also is good to know this morning? That God the Son loved us as well. That's what this passage says. He took his blood and by his shedding of blood, he showed, he proved, he gave us a great illustration of his love for you and I. His blood spoke that of love. His blood speaks of redemption. His blood speaks of redemption to be set free by a payment made. First Peter chapter one, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. 
If you're here this morning thinking that you giving an offering to the Lord is going to redeem you or to buy you back from sin, you're wrong this morning. If you believe this morning that by somehow uh, giving your will away to uh, a religious function will uh, by some means purchase your eternal salvation, my friend, you're wrong this morning. For as much as ye know not or know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, your vain lifestyle received by tradition from your fathers. He says not only money, but if this morning you're putting your trust in your lifestyle to get you to heaven. If you're putting your trust in the things that you do in your church attendance and your good deeds to somehow elevate you in the sight of God, my friend, Peter says to them, you know that's not the case. He goes on to say this, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You're not redeemed with corruptible things or with lifestyle. You're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. What else? did the blood of Christ speak? It spoke love. It spoke redemption. Number three this morning, it spoke forgiveness. It spoke forgiveness. Ephesians chapter one, and whom we also have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Some this morning may say, my parents won't forgive me. Society won't forgive me. My friends won't forgive me. I cannot even forgive myself. Let me say this morning, the blood of Christ has the power to forgive you. The blood of Jesus Christ speaks forgiveness. Not only does it speak forgiveness, but it speaks justification. Big word defined just as if I had never sinned. Think about that this morning. Oh boy, if you were to lay out my problems and my difficulties in life, my failures and my sins. And you were to show them to the heavenly father. He'd say, what sins? What sins? Because in the sight of my heavenly father, Jesus's blood is there covering my sins. It's speaking justification for me. Romans chapter five, verses six through nine. For when you were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we usually stop right there. But verse number nine says this, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Oh, the blood of Christ lays on top of our account, my friends, if your faith is in Jesus Christ. And it's just as if I had never sinned. It speaks of justification. Right on your heart, the announcement of John the Baptist this morning. Jesus, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. I read a wonderful story there in the 14th century of Robert Bruce of Scotland. He was leading his men in battle to gain independence from England Near the end of the conflict, the English wanted to capture Bruce to keep him from the Scottish crown. So they put Bruce's own bloodhounds on his trail. When the bloodhounds would get close, Bruce could hear their bang. His attendant said, we're done for. Bruce replied, it's all right. Then he headed for a stream that had flowed there winding through the forest. He plunged and waded upstream a short distance. When he came out on the other bank, he was in the depths of the forest. And within minutes, 
You could hear the hounds as they were howling and trying to trace his master, their master's footprints. Come back to the bank. They went no farther. The English soldiers urged them on. But the trail, as Bruce had entered the water, was broken. The stream had carried his scent away. And a short time later, Bruce would stand there with the crown of Scotland on his head. What a great reminder for you and I. As the memory of our sins, you know that memory that Satan likes to bring in? You know how Satan likes to call up the things that you and I have have done wrong and Satan likes to call up the failures and he likes to remind us how we're inadequate as believers. The memory of our sins prodded on by Satan can be like those baying dogs. But a stream flows. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, My friends, not only does it speak those things, the blood of Jesus Christ also speaks peace. It speaks peace, Colossians chapter one, verse number 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. We said it just a little bit ago, man, sin placed a barrier between us and a holy God, yet Jesus stood as a mediator in his blood. There tore down that wall of partition. Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He brought us there together. Oh, the blood of Jesus Christ, it speaks love. It speaks redemption. It speaks forgiveness. It speaks justification. It speaks peace. And number six this morning, it speaks of service as well. Hebrews chapter nine, verse number 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? As you and I take time to look at the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ speaks to us, serve him. Serve him. Those old works that you put your time and investment in that don't mean anything today are so much different. Serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The wonderful power, powerful, perfect, and eternal blood of Jesus Christ speaking better things to you and I. Then lastly this morning, I'd like to Look at those next few verses. I want you to look at a stern warning. We looked at Jesus, the mediator. We've looked at the blood that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now I want to draw your attention to a stern warning. I believe this stern warning helps us sum up what we've talked about. If we put ourselves back into why the writer was writing to these Jewish believers, He was writing to them, explaining all these things that they had done before Christ came to die for them were now abolished. All those things that were there in the law that was going to be their righteousness had now all been set aside. And so he talks about those sacrifices and he says, Jesus is better. And he talks about their high priest and he says, and Jesus is better. And then he talks about their great leader, Moses, in the Old Covenant. What does he say? Jesus is better. He tells us of this blood speaking. And then he concludes, I believe much of these thoughts. Verse number 25. If you remember Hebrews 3, we were asked to consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. He says, consider him, pay attention to him, look look to him. And now look what he says in verse number 25. 
See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, yet once more I'll shake not the earth only, but also heaven. The same judgment that fell there in the Old Testament on the nation of Israel, the fact that they did not keep God's laws, the fact that they did not keep their end of the bargain, that same judgment that was spoken to them that came out on them, the writer tells us, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. Oh yes, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks love. It speaks redemption, it speaks forgiveness, it speaks justification, it speaks peace, it speaks service. But this morning as the blood of Jesus Christ speaks to you and as Jesus Christ speaks to you, see not that you refuse him that speaketh. You know, it's easy and dangerous to think that God was severe and mean in the Old Testament and somehow became nice in the New Testament. Isn't that a prevailing thought though in churches today? God was just so mean in the Old Testament, but oh, he's just so full of love grace and mercy in the new. It's very simplistic, but it's also deceiving. There is more mercy in the Old Testament than we care to acknowledge. But you know, on the other hand, there's more judgment in the New Testament than we care to acknowledge. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. You see, Jesus Christ comes to each one of us He comes as a sacrifice. He comes as a high priest. He comes as a mediator. His blood speaketh better things. He's there to draw us to a holy God. But therein lies a decision for the Jewish person here in Hebrews, but also to you and I. Have you refused what Jesus Christ has spoken to you? See that you refuse not him that speaketh. I'm reminded in John chapter six, verse number 37, the words of Christ, all that the father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me will I in no wise cast out. Him that cometh to me will I in no wise cast out. Maybe there's one this morning that has refused what Christ has been speaking. And you're here. And the blood of Jesus Christ still speaks. And Jesus is still a better sacrifice. And Jesus is still a better high priest. And Jesus is still a better mediator. And he has spoken to you. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Why? We're going to find out one day the world's going to be shaken. And wherever you fix your trust... You're going to find out if it's shaken or if it remains firm. What's going to remain firm? Jesus Christ. And what he's done for you and I. See that you refuse not. Don't refuse it. 
Maybe you have. Maybe you've sat in a church like this and you've heard the gospel go out and you've heard the blood of Jesus Christ and all the things that have taken place, yet you've resisted it. But, but what about all these things that I've done? And you've resisted the blood of Christ. Oh, but what about my church attendance? You've resisted uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, what about, what about me? What about my family? And you've resisted what Jesus Christ has been trying to tell you. Come to him. This morning I ask you, would you receive Jesus Christ and the better things that he speaks to you and I as believers?